On Sunday night, um, the last four weeks, we've been in a short series entitled Purposeful Parenting. I've really finished with that. Uh, the four sessions that I did, one on the home, two on uh, the idea of training, or rather one on training, and then a second uh, thought on uh, biblical chastisement, and then some thoughts about teenagers. And tonight I actually want to talk about the home in general, maybe as kind of a conclusionary thought. I, I may have one more here in a week or two to come back to. Raising kids, um, as I just mentioned, is one of life's greatest challenges. And it's an incredible blessing. I was talking to a young couple tonight, and I was just talking to them about marriage. And, you know, Terry and I have been married 35 years, and I told them it was the greatest thing in all the world. And, and I really believe that it has been for us. And I, I think it can be for anybody who knows the Lord and are committed to that. And while raising kids is a challenge, it too is just an incredible joy. I, uh, I feel among men, so incredibly blessed. Um, the Lord gave us seven kids, and then to watch the Lord give them seven godly spouses. And, you know, tonight I look at them here, and I, I feel completely overwhelmed that they would choose to continue to be members of Eastland Baptist Church. And, you know, I, I can't account for all of that um, because raising kids is hard. You make so many mistakes. You know, the words, I am sorry, kind of a parent's mouth a lot. And as you endeavor to be more like Christ, and you figure things out, and, and you try again. And so this, it's just multi-variable equation, you know, that we give ourselves to in raising kids. And of course, there's so many competing outside voices that vie for the allegiance of our children's heart. And that's why we as parents need to really engage in trying to ask them to follow us and to have their heart. And the one thing, though, I'm going to tell you that you cannot, you cannot not have in the home and raising a family and, you, and home can't be minus love. It just can't be minus love. You know, the Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. And I'm so glad for that. You know, because when there's love in the home, when there's a mom who loves a dad, her husband, and you know, that husband who loves their mom, they're giving the kids such an incredible gift. And when the home is that, it's a loving environment, well then I think we probably have given our kids their very best opportunity to grow up well-adjusted, to love the Lord, and, and perhaps even to love their parents. Terry and I were not complicated people. We still are not complicated people. So we had goals early on in you know, our marriage and for our children. And so we distilled them into three simple thoughts. And I've probably rehearsed these a dozen times here. This is what I wanted for my kids. And this is what we lived our life. I wanted our children to love the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted them to understand that they had a Savior who loved them, who created them, and that they should serve Him. I wanted them to love the Lord. Secondly, I wanted them to love Eastland Baptist Church. To me, this is God's institution you know, on this planet, and uh, I wanted them to have a love and affection. And, and, and that desire has guided you know, a considerable amount of my philosophy as pastor here, because I wanted my kids to love this place, but I wanted your kids to love this place. And I, I think we're finding a fair measure of success with that. And then thirdly, I wanted them, by the grace of God, to love Terry and I. And beyond that, I wanted them to love each other. And we have, I think, done all three of those things imperfectly. But I, I, I think that's kept it simple. And by the grace of God, I think we've accomplished those things. And, and we'll continue to do so by His grace. And so it's that thought in mind that I, I want to preach a short devotional message to you tonight from 1 Corinthians 13. So I just want you to follow along with me. If you look there with me, it's a very familiar text. And then I'll have a short thought. 
The Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Let me stop here and put this in context. If you read every biblical book on parenting, if you learn every, every principle and proverb you can, if you do everything right, but your home is void of love, I'm just not sure how much you're going to accomplish like that. Charity suffereth long and is kind. And think about the home. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there shall be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought I was a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known by God. And now abideth, and these should be in our home, faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is love or charity. Our Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few moments that you might help me impart a simple thought, a word of encouragement. That, Lord, that those people who are here tonight, Lord, who are part of a family, would endeavor to foster this element of love. And, Lord, in so doing, give each other, their children, Lord, the greatest gift possible. And I ask for your help with this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I discovered that life is filled with many wonderful treasures. And they are many. God, His goodness, has given us and granted us so much to enjoy in this world. I think about the gift of our senses, the ability to see and smell and taste. This world is filled with so much beauty and God has given us the ability, the gift of our senses to enjoy it. You and I can see together mountains and oceans, stars and sunrises, sunsets and the full moons. We get to enjoy puppies and kittens, elephants and giraffes, the flowers in the field, and the wonder of snow. All of these are wonderful gifts that we are able to enjoy. And these things God gives us to make life so incredibly rich. Another great treasure that God gives us is His ever and constant provision. It's amazing how much God does for us and provides for us. Each one of us here tonight are enjoying a measure of health. Most of us here have a house to live in. We have cars to drive, food to eat. We're wearing clothes on our back. 
We enjoy many modern conveniences that no generation before us has ever been able to enjoy. We have these gifts and treasures, and beyond them we have the gift of salvation, the hope of eternal life, a home with heaven. We have a Bible to live by and to guide us and give us direction for life. We have a church family that we can participate and enjoy in together. We have the gift of prayer. We are recipients of God's mercy. We know His grace. The Bible says it best that every good gift is from above. And that is true. But for me, one of life's greatest treasures and deepest and most meaningful, tangible and appreciable gifts is the gift that many of us, I, I, I dare say all of us, are enjoying in some measure tonight. And that is the gift of each other. It's the gift of relationship. The gift of family. The gift of friends, of sons and daughters and parents. It's the gift of the home, both biological and this one as a church. You know, the family is supposed to be, it should be, it is designed to be one of the greatest gifts in all the world. It is to be the place that is full of fulfilling experiences, to be a place of life. The family is this place, this institution that in God's design we are to find all the support that we need in life. Uh, unyielding loyalty, uh, the most meaningful instruction on how to live in life. It should be the place for most of the greatest demonstration of love that we will ever see. The home and the family are supposed to be all about love. Home is the place where love should be taught. What does it mean to love someone? Love in the home should be exemplified by mom and dad. And of course it should be modeled. And then I, I would tell you that the home is a place where love is supposed to be felt. The Bible gives us a number of words for love. We just have this kind of ubiquitous, you know, word. But in the Greek there's eros, there's agape, there's phileo. These three words in the Greek you know, kind of express the greater meaning of love. Eros is the intimate love between a husband and a wife. It's unique, it's special, it's singular, it's unique. It's wonderful and it is beautiful. Phileo is what we are all enjoying here tonight. It is the love of friendship. It is the love of camaraderie, of, of, of serving and doing life together, of having shared experiences and, and being brothers and sisters together in Christ. You know, even a measure of that should be true in the home. You know, I, I would say that the best marriages are made of a husband and wife who are also best friends, who enjoy one another. That in time as they, their children grow older, they become friends together. Yes, it's true that brothers and sisters are born for adversity, but they're also born for more than that. They're born to, to love and take care of each other as well. And then there's agape love, Christian love, the love that sacrifices, the love that gives, the love that labors for another person's highest good, even at the cost and expense of self. It's the love that's willing to go to any length to see another person blessed and helped. These are the kinds of love that should be present in the home. Through trial and tribulation, misunderstanding and confusion, through faulting and failure, hurt, Love 
should always be ever-present. No one in the home should ever be in doubt that anyone else in the home is a recipient of the other person's love. In the home, love should conquer, it should overcome, it should reign supreme, uh, it, it should overlook in grace all the shortcomings of all the other people that may live there. As 1 Corinthians 13 says, it should never, ever, ever fail. So how do we do that? You know, what's, what's involved in love in the home? A husband, a wife, and children. Well, the thought and subject is bigger than we can cover in the next 10 or 15 minutes. It's multifaceted, it's, it's multidimensional, and has lots of variables. But I just want to suggest a couple ways that you and I can demonstrate love in our home. And the first way is simply this, is that love should be manifested in our homes by the way you and I display the grace of God in our lives. All throughout the Bible, we see the major outworking of God's love towards us in this manifest gift of His grace. Though we are undeserving, though we don't, demer don't, don't merit it, though we have done a thousand things to forfeit it, this still is true. Our Heavenly Father loves us. And that's something that moms and dads should keep in mind. This is something that husbands and wives should keep in mind. Despite all kinds of failures and shortcomings in life, the grace of God should, and the love of God should cover those in the greatest possible way. Grace is bigger than any injury, any offense, or any shortcoming. One of the things that we learn in life is that people, the best of people, will not always be their best. We get angry and mean and unkind. We say things in the home we ought not say. Often we launch words that we very shortly after regret. And unfortunately, that's part of our humanity and a part of life. We reject each other. We can refuse. We can be discourteous and selfish. And sometimes these are present even in the home. It's one of life's oxymorons. The people we often love the most, we often also hurt the most. I don't know why. It may be because of proximity. And perhaps it's because we just take too much for granted. Maybe we're just careless. But injury occurs. But the question I have and the challenge I have is this, is that when it does occur, that it is imperative that you and I respond, not in kind, but in love and grace. That we render, even in the home, maybe where there's difficulty, we render instead not that same difficulty, but love and grace instead. More than any place else, the gift of humanity ought to be expressed in the home. The home should be the place where both apology and forgiveness are not uncommon guests. You know, I, I can do my best to start out this week and try to be the best dad, the best husband I can be. And sometimes I'm more successful than other times. But I can tell you with 30-something years of parental experience, you're going you're gonna to drop the ball. You're going to be that guy. You're going to come in and, and a harsh day and uh, difficult challenges and, and, and the challenges that moms face every day. It's going to be easy to be something other than our best. And when we are that person, it is absolutely imperative that we acknowledge that to self and then to our family. 
They need to know that we're real and authentic and genuine. That we're not afraid to say we've messed up and then trying to do better on the flip side. And when those we love hurt us that are unkind to us, it is equally important that we learn to forgive, that no root of bitterness spring up in our heart. It's amazing to me how many families, if you look at the gyms of how many families are alienated from one another. How many schisms and how many, how many people don't even talk in extended family. That ought not be true in Christian families. If there is any place where love and grace should be displayed, it should be in the Christian home. In the book of 1 Corinthians 13, that talks extensively about the responsibilities of love, the Bible says that love does not behave itself unseemly, it thinketh no evil, it is kind. But when that is violated, and it sometimes will be violated, the flip side of that about love says this, it suffereth long. It is not easily provoked. It beareth all things. It endureth all things. Why? Because what's at stake in the home is incredibly important. And preserving a relationship is more important than any silly offense that we sometimes let get in the way. The outworking of this is that we should be gracious and kind. And when that doesn't happen, that we give space and time for apology and forgiveness, for things to be fixed for things to be worked out, and for there to be no record of wrongdoing. You can't express love and grace and keep an inventory of all the ways you've been violated. We have to be bigger and better than that. We have to be gracious. The second manifestation of love is this, is that love in the home seeks the other member's highest good. This is the opposite of being selfish and self-serving and self-seeking. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. And I might even add, that would also include the household of our families. That we need to do good. God, in His love towards us, is absolutely committed to our good. The Bible tells us all things work together for good. For those who love God, those who are calling for His purpose. And that's the kind of love we need to have in our homes. The idea here is to help other people stand in their best standing before God. It is my responsibility as, as, as a dad and a husband to help that lady back there and those kids back there and that enormous tribe of grandchildren that is ever expounding. It's my job to help them stand the very, the very best they can at the judgment seat of Christ one day. That starts by me making sure that they know Him and that I give them good counsel and guidance and love and nurture and admonition. That's my job. Terry's job is to help me be that guy. And these brothers and sisters, it's their job to help each other be that person. Because that's what love does. It helps other people find their highest good. It's a goodness that we give to one another, that we care about one another. We meet needs, Romans 5, 6, for when we were with, yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He was willing to meet our needs. He always and ever worked for our highest good. That means in the family we have to be there for each other. That means time, time, time. We live in a busy world. 
Um, it's a bit of a rat race. We, we could be pressed. We have a thousand and a myriad of responsibilities. We wear so many hats. But we have a primary responsibility to work out good in our family. And that means we have to spend time with them. If a thousand other things have to fall by the wayside, our homes cannot. They require our time because that's the only way we can express good. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible tells, gives us instructions to husbands for their wives to dwell with them according to knowledge. You know, this responsibility of the home starts with the husband loving his wife in this way. You were to do good men for our wives by understanding them, to meet their needs, to care for them in meaningful ways, to give honor to them as joint heirs of the grace of God. We're to be chivalrous and courteous. We're to be thoughtful. Um, we are to be the very best we can be for them. As husbands, we're to be polite. We're to speak kindly. We're to help around the house. It would be good for us to occasionally take our wives on a date. I was expecting more feminine voices there. <laughs> we might not die if we vacuum, help with dishes, and took out the trash. <laughs> it's so simple and silly. But those simple acts are interpreted by some minds as the words, I love you and I care about you. Love is being mindful of the other person and the good. In verses 8 to 11, that same text, conversely, the wife is to be good to her husband. She's to be a helper, a helpmeet. She's not to be a griper or a complainer, not to usurp or challenge his authority, to be respectful and honor, uplifting and to help. And the text concludes with young people. Your responsibility is to honor and obey the parents who have given more than you will ever understand until you stand in their place. To honor and obey them. I think it was Rebecca Grace who came to me and Terry one time and she kind of had this look of delight and she, she said, I finally understand what it means to, to love like you said you loved us. And she held little Adeline in her arms. And uh, one day when that's you, you're going to understand how much mom and dad gave for you. And they are deserving of your honor and respect. Not just until you, you leave their home, but always. And then love gives. It just simply gives. For God so loved the world that He gave. That's what love always does. And it never stops. It just gives. Even when there's very little reciprocation, even when there's not a lot of payback, love gives. It gives unconditionally. Love gives when life's unfair and expectations are not met. Love doesn't demand. Love doesn't qualify. It just loves. It loves all the time, in all circumstances, in all conditions. It loves in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, in riches and in poverty, as the wedding vows attest. Love is there when a partner fails, and love is there when a child loses their way. 
and it hopes expectantly until they come back. Love is there when a child doesn't understand the choices of a parent. It is there when a wayward son takes a long time to come home. It's always present, it's always accepting, it's always willing to receive. Love gives, it gives affirmation, it gives encouragement, it builds up. Love gives in what I call life's most important words. Love gives because as Brother Daniel's been saying, words have power. And love gives this, it says, I love you. I'm proud of you. You mean so much to me. I'm here for you. I want to help. I am sorry. And I forgive. Love always gives. I pray and I hope for all of us. As you and I endeavor to understand the principles and truths of God's words in parenting and in relationship, as we study the book of Proverbs, the book of James, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the wider context in the word, the word of God, that as we give incredible effort to be knowledgeable about what it takes to be parents and a family, that love always rests consequentially on our homes, that it is ever-present, never faltering, never failing, and that when our kids leave our homes one day, they're not in doubt that God loves them, and so too does mom and dad. Let me ask you to stand tonight.